Welcome to Connect with Success with Dr. Lynette Scatiswatilla, where we help connect you with knowledge. Our mission is to lead you to a new and exciting way of understanding, responding to, and helping all those with autism. We hope to expand your thinking about how to best serve these amazing people and to support you in your daily struggles and celebrations. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of Connect with Success, a podcast built around the success approach and the person who coined it, Dr. Lynette Scottiswatilla. We have a special guest with us today who is so funny, but has a potent perspective on the autism community. And I'm looking forward to sharing our interview with you about him, his family, and his new book. Um, we're also looking forward to taking this journey with you right now. So, of course, we have Dr. Lynette with us, who will be helping us digest TSA in these given situations. Dr. Lynette, what concept are we going to focus on for this episode? Today's concept is perspective. So I want our listeners to be thinking about the perspective they're about to hear from our very special guest speaker and think of it in the context of what do you wake up with every day? What's your orientation every day? What is your perspective about life, about your situation, perhaps about somebody with autism in your life? All right, everybody, stay tuned because you're going to get to meet Mike Guido, comedian, keynote speaker, author, autism advocate. He's got a new book out called The Maria Effect, and he's going to be here to tell us all about it. All right, everybody, Dr. Let, we have somebody with us today. We're kind of breaking our formula about the success approach, but we are going to weave the success approach into our conversation today, as we like to do. Um, but we have a wonderful guest with us today, comedian, um, keynote speaker, and father. We have um, Mike Guido. Welcome to the show, Mike Guido. Hey, thank you both. I really, I'm, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, let's see. I started out in a small town called Monroe, New York, where I was born. I stayed there for the first 20 some odd years of my life. And I always, in my mind, since I was about a 10 year old boy, my dad called me over to the transistor radio one day and he was listening to in the backyard. And he said, all he said was, hey, listen to this. And I know this guy now is known for just horrendous things but he was also a great comedian. That's Bill Cosby. Mm. Um, and I can't escape the fact that on the radio that day was Bill Cosby doing one of his routines. And I was, I didn't even know at that point in my life that there was such a thing as people doing this, like publicly, like saying funny things, making people laugh and get paid. That's I didn't awesome. know that existed as an option, a life choice. But I just remember I was blown away and I thought right there and then, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Um, took a really long time because I was very shy. I was withdrawn, even a little depressed as a kid because my parents broke up when I was eight years old. And it wasn't very common back then for that to happen. I mentioned that in the book, um, my book, The Marie Effect. Um, so it took me a while to kind of fulfill my dream of becoming a stand-up comedian but a key a key factor was one day I got a phone call from a friend of mine who had moved to San Francisco a couple years earlier and um, he said hey my roommate moved out and you can have his room if you want out so I immediately sold everything I owned which was my stereo and 
my stereo and uh, <laughs> I bought a one-way ticket and I moved to San Francisco sight unseen, a sight unseen and uh, moved in with my friend. And even after that, it took me a year or two or three to actually answer an ad in the San Francisco Chronicle for us how to be a stand-up comedian class. And I took that class and I found out, hey, I think I can do this. And, you know, I just worked on it. San Francisco in the mid 80s was the hotbed of comedy of all time. Wow. I mean, Robin Williams was there all the time, still coming back because that's where he started. All kinds of started there during that time who went on to be in comedy, actors, actresses, producers, writers, you name it. It was amazing, amazing at that time. That's a, so what was it like working with alongside Robin Williams? Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard anything about Robin, about what kind of person he was. Wonderful and nice and kind and gracious and humble. Mm -hmm. It's all true. And oh. then some, I could tell you, um, it was wonderful. Um, matter of fact, as the story goes, and it, again, it's in my book, The Maria Effect, I met my wife the night I was working with Robin Williams and Bobcat Goldthwait, if you remember oh, him. Yeah, Bobcat. Yeah, they were doing a show at a club in San Francisco, and the marquee outside read uh, Jack Cheese and appearing tonight, Jack Cheese and Marty from Mars. <laughs> Because they didn't want the general public. If they saw Goldthwait and Robin Williams on the marquee, it'd be swamped. Wow. And it was still packed because mm. they, they let it out to friends and so forth. So I got to be a part of that show. Um, they made me open for some strange reason. I don't know why I couldn't headline. but <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I did my show. And during my show, I, I saw this woman stand up and walk out the back of the room into the adjoining restaurant area. And at first I had a thought in my mind to say, hey, what's the matter? Somebody fart at your table or some kind of really, you know, genius comedy remark. But I didn't for some reason. Um, and uh, after my set, and I have to tell you that the crowd was besides themselves because they were so excited that it was going to be Bobcat and their beloved Robin appearing after me. I, I killed, as they say in the business, uh, thunderous applause and cheering as I left the stage, walked out the back into the same adjoining restaurant that that young lady went to. And there she was sitting there. And as I walked out, I was thinking, my goodness, I just killed and Robin and Bobcat were in the room to see it. My life is great. It can't get any better than this. But little did I know, there was that young woman out there sitting there. And as I walked out, she goes, hey, I know you. And she quoted a joke of mine that she saw me do previously somewhere. Wow. Anyway, we're just talking for no more than five minutes. He says to me, so are you happy? I'm like, what, what are you doing? This is not how it works. You're supposed to just sit there and look cute and say <laughs> meaningless things. And I'm supposed to sit here and look, well, the way I look, and say meaningless things back. Don't you know that's the way it works? What the heck What the heck are you doing? I'm thinking, what, did my mom send her? 
<laughs> and um, it just went off from there. And she started just telling me about what makes her happy in life was her family. She had two daughters at the time and her faith. And she just started telling me what I kind of already knew in my mind that show business is wonderful and it's great and it's fun, but it doesn't equate to true personal inner happiness that resides within you. And she challenged me right there. Well, that was uh, January 10th and we were married on August 9th. And uh, I'm sorry, August 12th. Boy, you gotta get that right. <laughs> better cut that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, and, and that's how it all started. That's, wow. that's amazing. my life right there. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about your family and your experience in the world of autism here in just a little bit. Um, we, we always like to throw out a fun question when we're interviewing people for the first time. Um, so <laughs> here's your fun question. If you were stranded on a deserted island and had three things that you were to, to want with you, what would they be and why? You know, honestly, <laughs> it wouldn't matter what three things I bring if my wife's not there. <laughs> if I was there by myself... I would like wash up on the shore or whatever and start assessing my situation and my surroundings and my environment. And I'd start, as my wife says, mulling it over for 15 years. <laughs> you know, and I'd be looked for some tree bark and a sharp rock so I could jot down some notes. And anyway, uh, if my wife wasn't there and I was in charge of it all, after I tried to mull over and make a plan i'd starve to death so. there you go <laughs> <laughs> so your wife is one of the things you would bring we'll take that as a yes, uh, yes. <laughs> i wouldn't need other things because take care yeah. <laughs> i'm sure she'll be happy to hear that <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about um your book you've got a new book out called the maria effect how did that all come about Oh, the Maria Effect. Uh, subtitle, How a Daughter with Autism Taught Her Comedian Father the True Meaning of Success. Because it started there when I met my wife, Laureen, and she said, you're not really happy, I can tell. And I had to admit it when I really thought about it myself. Um, but, um, you know, I've been a stand-up forever. And I also did, and still do, uh, not very much these days, um, a one-person show, a stage show, mm. formerly called, um, formerly called a real man, subtitled "Dad, Daughter, Autism," mm. but I changed it to coincide with the book. It's also now called "The Maria Effect," and it tells the story um, of how you know Maria's autism onset and how I used every coping mechanism you could think of, denial, doubt, um, depression, anxiety, frustration, stress, you name it, despair, because um, I didn't like it. Mm. I didn't like what autism, because Maria wasn't born with autism. It was an onset when she was about two years old. And um, I focused on what had been stolen from me. Mm -hmm. I thought autism stole my little girl from me. She world at that time. And I didn't like it. And a key point was one day when my wife, noticing me, glum, despondent, 
depressed, whatever. And she just said, <clears throat> so what do And I thought, here's my chance. I'm going to let her know. I said, what's wrong with me? How about autism? Okay, mm. that's what's wrong. You see what it's done to her? You see what it's doing to Maria? We've lost her. She's gone. I hate autism. <clears throat> and that's when my wife figuratively took me by my shoulders against the wall. She didn't really do that physically, although she could. Um, <laughs> she said, you listen to me. If you have a problem with autism, then you have a problem with Maria because it is now. And she said, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to fight and scratch and claw and scream, and I'm going to kick down doors and do everything I can to help my daughter. And I'd really appreciate your help. And then she looked me, she said, but make me, let me be clear. I'm going to do this with or without you. Mm. So why don't you stand up and forget about yourself and help me to help her. I was like, whoa. Yeah. She made a point and she called me out. And um, I decided I, I did, I needed to change my focus away from me and how this affected me. And of course, on Maria, because I had to ask myself, well, do I love Maria any less now? No, of course not. Then why am I giving anything that I have, like my wife, like Laureen does, to help her? And it was because I was stuck on this loss mm -hmm. for me, 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 you see? And um, that changed that changed a lot for me, that, that moment. Again, my wife, Laureen, changes my life in the comedy club that night yeah. and then puts me back on the tracks when I was struggling so desperately about Maria's autism. Do you see that a lot, Dr. Lynette? When yeah, I'm reminiscing <clears throat> about how many people have been, I would say, stuck, Mike, on the loss. Um, yeah. It's heavy and it doesn't go away and you can't take it off like a coat and hang it till you're ready to don it again, you know? It's, yeah. um, it ruminates and it ruins hope. It's the opposite of hope. And yeah. it's depleting and it's, it's kind of a lie. It's really a lie because mm. the child is always in there and they're always perfect the way they are. Our impression of them in whatever state we think the autism has them, is just that. It's an impression. And unfortunately, I think for them, it's really not always an accurate impression because we are projecting or forecasting, much like you were honestly saying, um, your own needs or perspectives onto them. And they don't feel a loss, necessarily. And so if we let them shine... They raise us up. Yeah. That's what well, I have found. Absolutely. And in my case, too, I wasn't doing Maria any good by being that way. I wasn't helping her at all. She needed our help. Yes. She needed our help at the time. And Maureen was carrying the full brunt of that. Right. Carrying the load. And um, I wasn't any good to Maria or my wife at that time, right. focusing inwardly instead of Maria's wonderful. She's still wonderful. Yeah. 
But I wanted to comment, Mike. Um, I don't know Laureen. I hope to know her personally one day. I'd love to meet you guys in person and have you to the center and meet Maria and all that good stuff. But her words, let's just talk about her words to you. You know, as a wife, what she said to you was pure love. Love for you, led no by love for Maria. And I don't know her, but I bet you that was the mama bear in her, sort of, coming out and saying, hey, wait a minute, we've got a fight here. And I'm only going to be so well-armed alone, so why don't you join me like you're supposed to <laughs> and do your part so we can conquer this together. And what conquering looks like, I'm sure she didn't even know at that time. How can you know, you know what the battle looks like or what the fight is? All you both knew is that there was a little girl who needed you. And Mama recognized that and took charge in it and elicited your help. And that is a strong woman led by love. And in my orientation, I have a very strong faith background. Um, and I see such goodness in that, such love, godliness, goodness in that. What a testimony to her marriage vow to you and to your family. And of course to Maria. But um, just an impression as uh, one woman to another, Laureen, Wow, what a great, well-timed statement that your husband needed to hear. And it might have been hard to say, but sounds like it was well-delivered. So good job. Yeah. Um, and also, and I agree on, with everything you just said, Lynette. Um, so Laureen was helping me, too. She, she knew me. She knows me better than anyone. And she saw me being miserable. And she knew what the key was to be for me to not be miserable anymore. And she was just trying to unlock that. That's she knew right. I had it in me. Yes. She, But she also knew exactly how to word it in the exact tone with her eyes fixed on mine, like into my soul. Yes. She said, basically, you'll help Maria and you'll be happy yeah. if you, let's face it, you I think it was, was it Gandhi, or Mother Teresa. If you want to love someone, serve them. Yes. Um, I found that's true. Yeah. You know, she put you to work, Mike. She called you out, yeah. and she put you to work. And what are dads? Dads are doers and providers. So she tapped that in you, and what did you do? You rose to the occasion, and you served, and you provided, and you did as the doer whatever you had to do. And look what you've done with it. In a relatively short time, we're not talking about a 45, 50-year-old young girl. We're talking about a younger girl that in a short time has, I'm sure in her own metamorphosis way, has blossomed and so have you as her dad and as part of her partner in life, you know, and mom as a partner. What a great little triad. And I, there may be other people in the family. I'd love to hear more about if there's others in the family as well. But what a great little trinity that is, a tr little triune of effort and partnership to overcome whatever has um, been sort of placed in your family situation. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate that because, and also, I mean, that's the um, the title of my my keynote that that I give from time to time is it's all about perspective, and I talk about this with with Maria. My perspective went from towards me, and I don't like this. I've been robbed to. Forget that. It's all about Maria. It's all about helping and serving her. And when that perspective changed, I was free. You know, it, you know, 
yeah, love will set you free if you let it. That's right. So yeah, so now you've you've had this pivotal moonstruck moment with Lorene, right? She's uh, told you to slap out of it and 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 be on the team. What was the next step for you guys? How did you how did you learn to live with um, Maria's new world? Well, it was um, <clears throat> it was day to day. I mean, it seemed like every day brought on something new, a new challenge. Uh, but with with us working together now, obviously, one and a you know one and a half brains. <laughs> Compared to just one, um, it, it, it changed everything pretty much. And we went through, I mean, there was like, I believe, two years where Maria just never slept. Oh, yeah. Wow. She would be up all night, every night, like, like I say in my book. Um, and one of us would have to be up with her. Um, and she always wanted to watch some movie. She'd be watching videos, uh, Disney videos. I. My goodness, I watched Pinocchio so many times, I started rooting for the whale. <laughs> like, right out loud, Monstro, swim faster, munch on that little puppet, let's end this, come on. Um, but but then we'd have to get up the next day and try to function like we had two other children, you know, that went to school and, and did things. So, um, it's all in the book. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but I, I haven't. But uh -huh. there was just constantly, it was, it was just getting to the point in your mind and in your heart that this is how it is and accept it and make the best out of it. Right. And we were also people of faith and prayer, uh -huh. and that played a big role uh, in, in everything. You know, we, we believe, you know, they say, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. Mm. And we say he'll never, he might give you something that you can't handle until you include him. Right. Mm -hmm. He won't give you anything you can't handle with him working alongside you or you alongside him. Mm -hmm. okay. So that also is a huge strength to us. He's part of that partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Beautiful. For sure. And I love that in your stand-up, you bring light to the autism community to, to help them to understand how some of the, the brain activity might work for some, some people on the spectrum. Um, I love the story of the shot put. Would you mind sharing that? <laughs> that seems to be favorite. Um, that and the restaurant. And it, I love it those, goes those under the title of dumb stuff I did when I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when I do this on stage... I have to first preface it by saying, listen, everybody, I say this to the audience, I'm going to talk about my daughter, Maria, who has severe or low-functioning autism, and we're not laughing at her, okay? She does amazing, funny things, hilarious things in public, and the funny part is just other people's reactions uh -huh. to her so-called, you know, quote, weirdness. Because <laughs> sometimes audiences just go, oh, I, I can't laugh because... It's about a girl with autism. They Aww. can't get through that part. So mm -hmm. I preface it with that. But anyway, this story was one time someone signed Maria up for Special Olympics. <laughs> for some reason, they chose shot put. If, if people can see me, you'd know I'm not a shot put guy. But anyway, <laughs> so I one day I was going to take Maria to our local high school. We were living in Eugene, Oregon at the time. And I had a, we're driving in my little pickup truck 
Obviously, Maria's in the passenger seat, and we have a 12-pound shot put on the seat between us. So I look over at Maria, and this is now, I usually tell the audience, you can see how stupid this is, because where this is going to go bad. Because I actually lifted up the shot put in my right hand and towards Maria as I'm driving and said, Maria, all you have to do is throw this, and then we'll go to McDonald's and get ice cream. I put it back on the seat, put my right hand back on the wheel. <laughs> Maria promptly picks up said shot put, heaves it out the window of our moving vehicle onto the hood of another bigger pickup truck. They're screeching, a brake squealing, tires screeching. It was mayhem out there because this guy, and I'll tell you, the guy that got out of that truck when we pulled over... He wasn't just a redneck, man. He was, like, red from, like, head to toe. That guy had the pressure. Um, he was not happy because it was his truck. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, with all this happening, Maria just turns, innocently just says, McDonald's, please. <laughs> you told me to throw this? I threw it. Now, can it's, so, their, it's our little remind. Right? Oh my gosh, my yeah. cheeks hurt already just listening. And <laughs> I'm just visualizing all of that. I have to say that <laughs> that kind of a story prompts me to share with you what I often tell people, um, which really isn't humorous, but it, it applies so beautifully to your story. I always say we have to be very, very careful what we teach and tell our individuals with autism, because they can and do learn anything we teach them. have to be very careful about what that is. <laughs> so that's a perfect example of if you don't think it through. Um, and who, who would have thought about that? I mean, you're probably thinking retrospect, it should have been you, but most people <laughs> would have done exactly what you did. Got to prep my kid, tell her exactly what to do, keep it simple yep. so that she can see it, feel it, like... You happened to do it in a moving vehicle, which was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of that was really right. Give them the proactive idea, tell them short, succinct information so they know exactly what's expected and what's going right. to happen after. Great job. I think it was the where it happened. <laughs> that was such an interesting I, twist. I soon learned. It took, I had a couple more instances where, what am I doing? Why did I say that? Because in that situation, I, I, which, what I should have said was Maria. We're driving to the high school, yes. <laughs> and when we get to the high school, we'll get out of the car, truck at the time, and we'll walk on the grass, and then you can throw this. Because mm -hmm. she took it literally. Of course. I, yeah. I throw this, I, go to my, I get an ice cream cone. Yeah. Oop, done. But, you know, the, the, the learning side of that, I mean, it's a humor side, thank God, and you've brought that to all of us. Thank you for that gift to the world. Um, is that in the book? <laughs> The Maria effect, is that in the book, that particular example? It is. Okay, oh, good. Okay, good. Good. I want people to be able to read that over and over again, because I'm sure it'll be the kind of thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night laughing about it, <laughs> just visualizing <laughs> well, people, it. Um, people are saying, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish what you're saying. People are oh, what? Um, the reviews on the book and what I'm hearing are people say things like, you laugh, you cry, yeah. and you cry again, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and... Um, <laughs> It's, it's been fantastic. I'm go so ahead. glad. I think we just, I don't even remember, but I think we were just talking, um, try to remember if there was a connection to it, but it was, um, 
Oh, so what was really right about that, I wanted to say what was right about that, you were pretty prescriptive. Um, you know, you thought it through, you were intentional. It was when it happened and where it happened. So the, the um, concreteness um, of our thinkers, our individuals with autism, how they think is based on how they're wired. And so we, who are not wired like them, fall into that trap as parents, as teachers, for sure, as general members of society. We fall into a trap that if we just give them what we think is the right information, it'll translate. But it doesn't because they don't receive it that way because they're so concrete and so literal is a great way to explain that. So she really did nothing wrong, but what she didn't have, Mike, Mm -hmm. and I know this as a therapist, occupational therapist, she didn't have the context. So she couldn't have the insight and she couldn't have the value for what shop puts all about. So as we're making decisions about signing our kids up for things or getting them an Olympics or getting them in, you know, Boy Scouts or whatever, a soccer team, we have to ask ourselves, what do they need to know about the value? What purpose is achieved by doing a soccer um, club or being part of a soccer game? Um, what is strategy? Like all these things that we take for granted, their minds don't have a schema, you know, which is sort of an, a representation of an idea or a set of events. We can say the word soccer team or soccer game, and we have this whole internal understanding of what it is, that there's a score, there's strategy, there's players, there's equipment, there is a large area, there's people watching, there's people not watching, there's people playing, there's probably uniforms. I mean, I just rattled off about 12 things that we instantly conceptualize when we hear the word soccer game. Well, Maria, probably, of all the things, shot put, (laughs) probably didn't have a schema for that. So there's a right way and a wrong way to help kiddos um, on the spectrum really prepare. Um, And you did everything right in terms of the language, but there was so much more that could have happened to really give her that. Um, Not to mention, the thing that was most salient, without knowing her, I'm going to make this guess, was McDonald's. So that's all that mattered. (laughs) At the end of the day, it was the outcome. Um, versus the process. So let me just say these words to you, because I think as a dad, they might um, resonate. We in the success approach believe in process over product. Mm. And I think that's missing in a lot of our American ways, especially the education ways, and especially for special education ways and helping individuals on the spectrum. We're really tied up in America about product and producing. And I just want to give that a lot of attention, as much as attention as we can in this podcast and others. And for families like yours that maybe it might be the first time a professional is actually saying those words, um, I hope it's not. But if it is, what an important thing to know, regardless of how old any of our kids are. It is about process, not just product. And so Maria was focused on product, which was literally McDonald's. But you were trying to help her with process. So even though you wanted her to be engaged and do this, um, she really focused on the outcome. And that's probably because that's what we've focused on with a lot of our kids over time. They learn to look at the outcome versus engaging and staying connected to the process. Oh, I think you're 100% correct. Um, And I think as parents, whether we have special needs children or, or not, 
we always kind of have to put ourselves in their head and their understanding and how they see things. I'll give you an example. My grandsons used to be here a lot in, the, in our house. And it used to drive me crazy that they couldn't close the sliding back door that went to the backyard. Because I always used to say, close the door, close the door, close the door. But they didn't know why is that important? Why? why? Finally, one day I sat them down. I said, here's the deal, guys. So when the door is open, all the heat, that 90 degrees outside, comes in the house. And that makes the air conditioner go on. And that makes grandpa go and by the way, the air conditioner runs on electricity. <laughs> electricity costs money. <clears throat> That's why I want to close the door. And from that, they weren't perfect, but now they understood exactly why why that was important to me. Absolutely. Be- because before it was like, why, why yeah. does he want the door closed? Who cares? So that, that tells me that you're sort of a natural teacher because you brought it to their level and you gave them purpose. There's purpose behind process. Obviously, well, the outcome is sort of like a different bill. I mean, an electricity bill, you know. And let's add one step further. If they couldn't remember, because that was a language load you placed on them, what we could yeah. always do is add a layer of a physical demand. So we could say, oops, you, know, you, could, you do them all the language that you did. You give them all that explanation. And then we'll say, let's start with four quarters in your pocket. And if you remember to close the door, you can keep them. If you forget, you're going to have to help grandpa pay the bill, so I might need one of your quarters. <laughs> and you give them yeah. a reason to, to be part of the solution. You're not, it's not a scolding. You're yeah. solving a problem of a high bill. And so there's two ways to fix that. Either pay up to help me pay the bill, or let's keep the bill down together. So it's that partnership again. So when they have something physical to be involved, it's part of the process, and it's tied to their body. It's like, jingle, jingle, there's something in your pocket, versus just the language load. So sometimes individuals, even without autism, do better with three-dimensional reminders that's tied to meaning. So that's just another layer. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And a side note, I do anything. You said, you know, it was good that I sat them down and explained it because I would do anything to save money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or make money, <laughs> as the case may be. Right. As long as it's their quarters to begin with and you're just not providing them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about the Maria Foundation. Well, the Maria Foundation was started, um, we were still living in Northern California, and Laureen had... My wife can learn something and eternalize it that where I, I can't do what she does. It's just how her brain functions. So Maria um, was in a program. It was out of UCLA called the LOVAS method, um, behavior modification, rewards-based, as a matter of fact. Um, and she internalized that, and she knew it inside and out. And the the person, one of the top doctors at UCLA, actually um, made it possible for Lorene edited in some way, officially, even though she didn't have a degree in this. But he it was he allowed his name to be put behind it that you could trust. Larry Guido to do this program, and uh, a very, very um, wonderful 
And uh, side note, wealthy family in Oregon got news of Laureen that she could do this, and they wanted that program and Laureen specifically for their son, uh, who had autism, severe, low functioning, but also he had seizures, other, a lot of other physical things that were, that were a challenge for him and them as well. But anyway, he funded the Marine Foundation. So it really began in Eugene, Oregon. Wow. Um, and we just worked with um, families, with their children, with this Lovas method. And we had what we called tutors who would go to the homes of these various people and um, work with their kids. And uh, we had some amazing results, mm-hmm. amazing results. And it was really rewarding. I, I stopped doing comedy for those like eight years and um, really rewarding uh, work. And um, yeah, that, that was the Maria Foundation. Longer in existence, but it served its purpose while it was here. Yeah. It was great. Was it an acronym? Yes. Let me see if I get this right. <laughs> okay, this is a test. <laughs> okay, the first word is uh, is got a hyphen, so it's multi-behavior, autism, rehabilitation, and intervention association. Oh, there you go. Got it. Maria. That wasn't so hard. <clears throat> awesome. Oh, but it's no longer. <laughs> it's no yeah, longer. No as, okay. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Thanks for the update. Yeah. So actually it's really interesting because the book that you have is called the Maria effect. And as you mentioned, how a daughter with autism taught her comedian father, the true meaning of success. And I don't know if you saw that or not, but that's the name of our podcast is connect with success. Oh, There you go. And so <laughs> that, that resonated right away when you, when you mentioned that, but you knew there was a reason you had me on. See? <laughs> and success is an acronym for us as well. Yes, it is. It's yeah. a good one. Yes. Yeah. That's a long one. It is. It's actually a sentence. It's a strategic use of critical curriculum elicits supported sense-making. And the critical what? curriculum is basically, for Maria, everything she does need to thrive and be her very best version of herself and the removal of anything she doesn't need. That's important, too. So Excellent. that helps her and this analogy to um, make contact with or sense-making out of her world, people, things, materials, expectations, um, events, and really connect, not artificially connect, really connect. And in so doing, we see brain changes with the kids. So it's a very neurodevelopmental model, um, and it really does change the nervous system, which is why we say got to kind of fire up the wire up to really get those neurons and those synapses to connect. Because once they do... Um, the grip that autism has on some of the individuals we've served, thousands and thousands and thousands of individuals we've served, um, loosens and sometimes goes away altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. I like how you uh, said how things that can be added yes. to enhance an individual's life and also removed. Removed, yeah. As we know, there are so many things that can adversely stimulate. I know Marie stimulate her, makes her upset, anxious, whatever. They yes. could be sounds or, yes. in, in our case with Maria, because her um, speech is so limited, mm-hmm. if people are having a, a fast-moving discussion around her, yeah. she's trying so hard to pick, she wants to know yes. what, what people are saying, oh. but she can't keep up with it. There's so many words she doesn't know, yeah. and she gets distressed. Yeah. 
So we have to get her out of those situations as much as we can. Yeah. You know, we have to be aware of that. Yeah, I think there's two sides to that. I'm going to speak to that. Um, you kind of bring up, and I can tell you're well-practiced in this, Dad, so good job, um, mm-hmm. removing the load that that places on her. So that's one way to do it, and often an effective, most popular way. The way the success approach would help folks like Maria is to try to limit it, like you do, or remove it. But we would also work to change her nervous system for the better so that she didn't have that threshold be so low. So we work to increase the sensory threshold of whatever it is, whatever system or systems, multi-systems involved oftentimes, um, so that the threshold's more normalized, whatever that means, <laughs> what is normal, I guess, um, so that she's not most, she's not as inclined to flip into a fight, flight, fright, or freeze mode, which is really what that is. When you get into a stress mode, it's fight, flight, fright, or freeze, right? So those things that can be subdued because the nervous system is more mature, helps us to not ever get that threshold tripped so mom and dad don't have to leave the birthday party or take her out of the fireworks or leave the choir when they're singing at church, whatever it is. So right. yeah, and that's, we have, to, we have to do both. Often the first is the most common because that's where most people see to reduce. But the success approach has been shown over 28 years. We're 28 in a couple weeks. 28 in a couple weeks, Hard to yeah. believe it. Happy birthday. Um, has been shown to change the nervous system. That's what we mean by fire up the wire up. Because our nervous systems by mother nature are designed to be able to dampen or inhibit or turn down too much stimulation so that the most important thing of the episode, of the event or the experience, is um, able to be salient. So if you're at a birthday party, what's salient is interacting and celebrating and singing happy birthday. Um, so that, when you subdue the nervous system uh, to the sound and to the sights and all that stuff that's too loud, so to speak, for them, and you subdue yeah. that, they can rise to the occasion and be that social person. And they want to be that social person. Like you said, Maria wants to be engaged and know what people are saying, but there's a sensory load that's too much. So I would encourage you guys to find ways, if you haven't already, to work with her nervous system to make it the best version of itself it can be. Um, and I Excellent. think that might help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a little saying that kind of might summarize that a bit. We say sometimes you can just wave at the smoke to make the smoke go away, but it's always better to douse the fire you if go. you can. There you go. You know? Same idea. So, Great analogy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. So what's next for you, Mike? What's next on the agenda? Are you back on are you going back on the road anytime soon or um, working just with Lunch. the book for now? I'm going to eat lunch. Eat lunch. Nice. Well, that's right, because we're, we're in a big time difference. We're looking yeah. at dinner over here. We are looking at dinner. <laughs> um, well, I'm right now I'm just working on promoting the book. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm hoping that, um, especially if people, when people hear this, they'll go, well, this guy knows his way around a microphone. He can speak. Because yeah. um, that that's my passion now. I, I used to. And I still do. Making a room of 100 or 200 or even five people laugh really hard, boy, if you can do that, wow, mm-hmm. it's amazing. But when I started doing my, my one-man, one-person show about Maria, which the book is based on, and after every show, every single show, people would line up to shake my hand. And women would say, can I hug you? Oh. And men, men, yeah. grown men. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yeah. You've yeah. inspired me. Yeah. 
And that's the most powerful thing. I thought making people laugh was really cool and powerful, but affecting people emotionally that way um, is even greater. So I want to talk my experiences and inspire people if I can and answer questions and and, um, about the book and and my experience, Maria. So I'm just looking to get out there uh, once the book really gets some traction, I hope, and and go out there and, and speak. Yeah. You know, comedy, I still love stand up. I got a couple gigs coming up, mm-hmm. but I get to pick and choose these days a little bit. You know, I'm happy to, because, uh, you know, the was doing that show that night because did he have to? Would he need the money? No, because he loves stand up so much. You know, yeah. Uh, Rob Schneider uh, is a friend of mine and he's doing stand up again. Mm-hmm. Need to? No, but. It's really cool to be on stage making people laugh. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So that I don't think I'll ever stop that. You're right. How can others follow you um, on social media or websites? Uh, how can how can they find you? Well, um, in the book, I actually thought about it. And I actually put my exact direct email address in the book. Nice, nice. And it's Mike at Guido G U I D O Mike at GuidoEntertainment.com. It's on the back cover. Perfect. Yep, there it is. So I figure, you know, um, I had a, a manager for a while. No, no longer. I just want to handle this myself mm-hmm. directly because it's kind of a more personal thing. So people can email me directly. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I don't do much else than that. But Mike at Guido, G-U-I-D-O, Entertainment. You'll have to figure out how to spell that yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Guido, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Um, Thank you for taking the time for us today. My my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, And uh, hang in with us and we'll come back with our challenge for this episode. All right. So it's time for this episode's challenge. Dr. Lynette, what do you have for us today? I'd like to challenge our listeners to identify their perspective. So where are you today and how is autism playing a role in where you are? And is it a perspective that's working for you, that's working for those around you? What are the resources or people that are available to you to partner and help you? Take some time to assess that perspective. As we begin to wrap up this episode, I just want to, again, thank Mike Guido for taking the time to talk to us, to um, give us his perspective on the world of autism as he sees it, and to really talk about uh, some of his new book, The Maria Effect, How a Daughter with Autism Taught Her Comedian Father the True Meaning of Success. I'm loving reading this book. The stories are great. They're potent. Um, They really do talk to the way we feel sometimes in this community. You can reach him. directly via email. We'll put all the links in the show notes at Mike. I'm sorry. It's Mike at Guido Entertainment and G-U-I-D-O-E-N-T-E-R-T-A-I-N-M-E-N-T.com. I spelled that out for him, Mike, just so I can help you out a little bit. But again, we'll put that link in the show notes and you can find his book on Amazon. So we'll put that link in there as well. It's a great read. Make sure you check it out today. I love that we were able to get a dad's perspective 
and that we were able to so much, he was able to so much relate to the partnership between him and his wife, something that I can totally relate to with my amazing partner in life, Christy. Um, his, um, his energy, his passion just radiates um, love for his family and the autism community. Thank you, Mike, once again for this amazing episode. I too love that we had a dad and a great dad, a dad that has found a way through humor to heal. That's what I heard. And the perspective that has changed in his heart came from the loving input of his wife, Laureen. And the story is potent. I think that um, having that kind of partnership in a spouse that allows you to then partner with the whole family, and especially the child on the spectrum or the young adult on the spectrum, uh, that's where partnership lives and that's where love is alive and hope reigns. We hope that you learned something today to help you on your journey with autism. We'll share more on our next Connect with Success podcast. Until then, expect success. The Success Approach is a registered service mark protected under intellectual property law. Unless otherwise specified, all music, audiovisual, and proprietary content shared in this podcast is property of Autism Productions, LLC, and its sister agency, Integrations Treatment Center. The use of this content is unlawful without the expressed written consent of aforementioned agency. For more information about The Success Approach, please go to our website at www.thesuccessapproach.org.